This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive, but necessary, and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapist, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Hello again. Happy Friday. We are back in the studio with even more madness. And I say back in the studio because since we've last heard from you or you've heard from us, we've been traveling and shooting what may be my most anticipated piece of the year. Really? We had the Lotus Amira. Yeah, we did. And I am very, very <laughs> excited for this comparison. And look, I'm going to go ahead and, t- and, and share what we did. We wanted to put the Lotus Amira with the other cars under a hundred grand. And that I'm gonna jump right to a question and then I'll come back around. And the question is from Coco Video and IG, is the Amira the best car under a hundred grand budget, best sports car under a hundred grand budget? We shall see because we actually <laughs> put it with a Porsche Cayman GTS 4.0 and our show Corvette C8. And I am incredibly excited to share this piece. Yeah, this is going to be very, very interesting. Lots of conclusions happen. Lots of not sharing during the shoot because mm-hmm. we all had opinions. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. it took me a long time to decide on things. The, this is how close all three cars are. Uh, yeah. Here, here's here's the only spoiler alert. And I'm kidding. That's why I'm saying spoiler alert. All of them are very, very good. Okay. We all gave them blue ribbons and, and, and we to, went home. And to the point that we kept, every one of us kept getting out of one of them. And being like, now wait, <laughs> now, now, now my whole my whole thoughts have changed. <laughs> right, I thought I. And then you get another one to be like, no, no, hang on. I mean, it was really very, very. Yeah. I mean, here's a funny, funny thing. Amazing and very tough to make decisions. I actually so it's like a really it when good it's piece. this close I agree. because when it's not, it's just sort of easy. Like, well, yeah, yeah. of course, yeah. you know, why would you pick that? But. Yeah, it's going to be very is, exciting. That's, that's coming up in a few weeks. That's happening. So we have been traveling for that. We are about to be traveling for our pilgrimage trip to Germany. After that, we're going to be with many of you doing the Utah meetup. I'm really excited about the next few weeks. There's so much great stuff going on. But between now and then and during all of that, there is podcasting to do. <laughs> well, first, we've got to talk about the BMW new 5 series, Must which has just been announced, just released. I was looking at the EV version thinking, well, this is actually pretty good looking, pretty sharp. And I realized I hadn't seen the combustion engine version yet. And I went, yeah, <laughs> what, what happened? You cleaned it up nicely. Things were going in a great direction. I liked especially how the surfaces taper to the rear. There's a nice, strong theme there, kind of new, kind of fresh for BMW. I mean, other car companies have tried it, but BMW hasn't yet. So there it is, kind of a new and fresh and crisp. <laughs> okay. And then I scrolled on down to the combustion engine version and went, what did we do here? Why so hmm. fussy? And I am not at an answer yet. But nevertheless, I like that they're still doing it. So they've got, of course, the full EV versions and then the 530i, 530x drive. I'm sure they will have the 540i as well. But uh, yeah, they've got the M60 version. So the i5 M60, Mm -hmm. which is close to 80 grand with the x drive. And it has 590 horsepower which is a lot, almost 600 horsepower. This the thing's ton. going to be very fast, Well, and, very and BMW, quick. I feel like, always underreports too. I mean, whatever that number is, it's only going to feel like more, uh, which yeah. is what they're really, really good at. I mean, it, BMW is like a house divided in my mind because on one side, you have, I think, some of the very best chassis engineers and some of the very best power plant folks. The power <laughs> That's what that, that they department's make, called. We're the power plant folks. They are. The power the, Folks doing power plant, whether it's EV or gasoline, the way they're tuning their automatic transmissions and their manuals and the folks doing dynamics are doing world-class quality work. Stuff that continues to amaze us when we drive the car. And the styling department is like lost in the wilderness. Because this new 5 Series to me looks related to the, uh, I'm sorry to say this, it looks related to the 2 Series Grand Coupe that just looks bulbous and odd. I don't think this 5 Series looks good. Granted, I am not a styling guru by any means, but I just, I, I don't understand what's going on at BMW. I don't think good things are going on. I'm looking at all the angles of the combustion engine version, and I'm... I'm not convinced here. The EV version was <laughs> clean, convinced. crisp. I liked it immediately. I turned it around. I looked at all the photos and thought, okay, we're we're doing good here. Just clean, nice, you know, very defined themes. And then there's 
too many themes. There's all the themes. <laughs> Let's have all the themes going on yeah. over here. And it does not look to my eye like a BMW. If you took that badge off, I don't know what about it. You'd have no idea. I mean, the the classic BMW styling cues are there, but still, I, otherwise, I'm I'm not sure what in particular is is very BMW flavored. I really am wondering how this era of BMW styling is going to be looked back on, because you know. Bangle, during that very controversial era of the early 2000s, that got progressively more controversial as it went on, okay? Oh, I just but arrived then, at the side view, the uh, yeah, side elevation. That's, that's bad, isn't it? The side view is the absolute worst bad. worst angle. It's just bad. But here's what the happened? thing. happened? On reflection, some of the Bangle cars, the Z4 being the best one, are looked at and people are like, you know what, that actually aged really well. But then a lot of them, you never see them at all. And then they came out of that styling and they got better. And now they're into this. And I really wonder in 10 or 15 years, are we going to look back on this styling and decide, oh, now it's caught up and we like it? Or are we going to be like, banish that thing? I am wondering too, because with Bangle, he had a very clearly defined elegant theme. It was called flame surfacing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was all about mm -hmm. the reflections mm -hmm. and the way the, the reflections dance across the surface like a lick of flame, which is interesting and difficult to do. Now it actually, you see those reflections, you appreciate them, and everything else kind of uh, was very pulled back. Mm -hmm. It was very subtle. Here, I cannot tell you a particular theme other than what the lines and surfaces are doing, but you could have a, a thousand variations of what these lines are doing. There's no particular theme like that flame surfacing or or some sort of yeah, uh, yeah. you know nature theme. You know that that nature themes are always relevant they're always good mm, they're mm. you can always pull on something and you know lean back to to a theme of nature to sure. pull something out and and gain inspiration but here i'm not really seeing much but uh we have yet to see it in person so true lots of various models coming at us and oh they're building a wagon too but it's probably not for the u.s so probably not fine all right we'll see this episode is brought to you by shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. We want to remind you that one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle is better brakes. An upgraded brake system can transform a vehicle's performance and give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. Track, trail, or traffic, every vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. No matter what your vehicle is or your driving style, PowerStop has a complete brake upgrade kit for you. Head to PowerStop.com. Fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder, and you'll be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, truly noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. We have both experienced firsthand the upgrade quality on our own vehicles. I've got the Z36 truck and tow pads and rotors on my Ford Expedition, and it brakes more powerfully than it ever has. Join the thousands of drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today. Power Stop. Brake upgrades made easy. Dean B. is in Iowa. He has a 400,000-mile Prius. <laughs> wow. What, what, I like, what I like that's happened is you and I have done a few pieces on the new Prius. Yeah. Which, yeah. Uh, after many, many, you know, 20 years of generations, finally looks attractive. And so we've had it with the Elantra in. We've had the, the plug-in hybrid and the non and all this kind of stuff. So we talked about it a lot. I like that it's got Prius in the discussion <laughs> okay, both yeah. pro and con. I'm not yeah. saying that it's just great across the board, but it's got Prius in discussion. And so Dean has a hand-me-down Prius that he actually said <laughs> it was his dad's when he was growing up and his father bought this vehicle and said <laughs> when he was just starting to drive, when Dean was just starting to drive, and said he made the comment that when it dies, boys, I'll buy something better. And Dean and the rest of the family <laughs> tried desperately to kill it. And now he is an adult and it has 400,000 miles and it refuses to die. He can't kill it. It's now his daily almost 20 years later. <laughs> it's full of battle scars and it has almost 400,000 miles, just a few thousand miles short. And it drives. It doesn't break down. 
And so now Dean has committed to getting it to that 400,000 mile mark. This is this is the note of maturity here. As a teenager, you tried to kill it. 20 years later, you're like, you know, it's actually been decent. It's actually been reliable. So I'll at least like baby it to 400,000 before I give it a Viking burial. I you, love you, it. You, there's been a turd. I really like it. It's really I love good. That you, you and your brothers tried to kill it. Yeah. And it wouldn't die. And it wouldn't so die. You have to drive it for the rest of your life. Yes. He said it's it's still <laughs> averaging 40 miles per gallon, and Unreal. it gets oil changes only. I'm assuming you've probably gone through a few sets of tires as well. But he said, talk about being super reliable and practical. And as you've mentioned, you don't have to ever worry about it. It gets dinged. It gets scratched. <laughs> it gets nicked. You're like, whatever. But you are aware of the fact that you as a grown man with a little bit of budget would like something better. <laughs> I mean, keep driving it. Yeah. Make this the car you drive your whole life. <laughs> back, <laughs> back when the Vatican was built, Dean. Wow, okay. And St. Peter's Basilica was worked on. Uh-huh. And Michelangelo was doing the Sistine Chapel and things were happening. Artists and sculptors work their whole lives and start something. They would learn the craft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they'd work their entire life doing that thing and they would die before it was finished. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're right. That's all they did uh-huh. their whole life. Yep, yep. And they got better and better and better at it, and they helped create it, and they contributed to the build that took 250 years, or mm-hmm. however long, yeah, the, yeah. the church in Barcelona. Yeah, I was thinking that as well, yeah. St. Peter's uh, Dome there, yeah, that, uh-huh. that they, they were stymied for, for years and years yeah. on how to create that dome and, and make it right. A generation People goes died. by working on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but after they worked on it their that's whole amazing. life. Yeah, that's crazy. So you get to drive the Prius your entire life. Here's the Prius. When you're born, this is the Prius assigned to you. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Dean says he owns a Silverado. His wife has a town and country. Both vehicles are here to stay for their respective duties. Okay. He's also got three kids, but not so worried about transporting because they've got the minivan and the pickup. That makes sense. And then this Prius. He doesn't have an exciting garage, and he admits that. Yep, uh-huh. He says he'd like to replace it with a commuter vehicle, but in order to justify financially the cost and maintenance and repairs of having a third vehicle versus just driving his pickup, mm-hmm. this third vehicle needs to be reliable and good, 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 good gas mileage. <laughs> yeah, recommend Prius. Yeah, you, you realize you checked those boxes already, but that's okay. That's right. He, but he says he's not scared of miles. He's also not scared of working on a car. So if, so if it's something that at ten grand is a little bit questionable, but it can be made really nice, he's up for that. But ten grand is the reality. He's really hoping he can jettison this Prius in spite of, I mean, I don't know how long it's going to take you to actually cross the 400,000 mile mark and to reach your goal, but he's hoping there's something out there with not terrible gas mileage that can be more fun. A little debt cord or some C4. I don't know, man. You, I'm start your own you, YouTube channel. It'd be a fantastic way to start a channel for sure. Blow up cars like that Russian guy. He buys brand new cars and oh, man, packs them full of that guy. C4. And YouTube shows up because yes. of course we do. Yes. Well, he says his commute is 35 miles round trip, but his job frequently takes him to construction job sites. Those are usually within about two and a half hours drive, and showing up at a job site in a Prius isn't the preferred vehicle of choice, which leaves him frequently putting unnecessary miles on his pickup. Pickup is is the right thing. So there's perception, and you're showing up at a construction site, so can't do with a Prius. Pickup has to come out anyway. So is it possible to get a fun, reliable, economical 35 plus miles to the gallon? Looks good without being over the top. Something practical all for $10,000. Dean has his doubts and he's got a few options in in mind, but he hesitates to put them out there because he says he doesn't want to steer the conversation from something that's better. Then he proceeds to list them, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) The list is still coming, which is nice, Dean. Thank you. (laughs) He says, bear in mind, he is coming from an old, tired Prius. Mm Mm-hmm. So anything is going to be more fun. Mm-hmm. And he will buy a wrecked car if necessary and repair it himself to get under the magic $10,000 mark if necessary. Interesting. All right. Okay. That's a lot of work and the money that you spend because you'll be in there. You'll find other things. Of course you will. Yeah. And yeah. that will push you over the $10,000 budget. So I am assuming Probably. that and using that to increase your budget just slightly <laughs> and hoping that <laughs> we can podcast. find something. Welcome. Here we are. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I I actually did find quite a bit that I think you might be interested in, Dean. But Dean goes ahead and lists first his list, but he says he listened to episode 111 and he doesn't want a Mini Cooper. He can't go for the looks. Okay. All right. We understand. Number one on the list is the Gen 1 Chevy Volt. Okay. 
exciting in its own way. Because of that daily commute, he could almost do it all electric, but still run off gas when going mm-hmm. to the job site. Sure, yeah, yeah. He is scared about 10-plus-year-old batteries. Probably valid that you should be, yes. Audi TT, the 2.0 TFSI, he says he likes the look. He likes the Quattro, would be a fun statement car, mm-hmm. even not overly fast. And a buddy of his had a first-gen, but he's never driven a second-generation. He is scared about the Audi reliability reputation, having owned predominantly GM and Toyota vehicles that have been good to him. Yep. Next on his list, after saying all that, mm-hmm. he mentions the Volkswagen TDI. <laughs> while we're like here, a, like a while we're hanging wagon. out in Volkswagen, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he likes the mileage. He likes the torque. It's funnish to drive. Lots of space, especially the sport wagon. He's, he lives in a non-emissions checking state, and the scandal has devalued cars so much they are a good value right now. Okay, yep. So why our perceived lack of love for TDIs? It, not necessary a lack of love there. They're fine cars. They're well-engineered and they have a lot mm-hmm. of power. That's it. And if that's your thing, then absolutely go for it. And if, and if you're chasing the miles per gallon, then the diesel is sure. great. A lot of people don't want diesels. And frankly, on the back of the Dieselgate scandal, many people won't consider a diesel. Now that they've discovered that they do have higher emissions, they flat out won't consider them. Sure, so, sure. So people like yourself, Dean, who come up and go, what do you think of these? We're like, yeah, I see all the positives if you want one. <laughs> but it, but it's that per- it's like the person that comes to us and would like to get a Viper. I'm pretty unlikely to recommend a Viper to anybody, but if somebody wants a Viper, let's have a conversation about the sure. Viper. It's the same kind of thing where I don't have anything against it. It's just you have to you have to kind of tip your hand and I get to go, oh, t- oh TDI. Okay, you're right. Let's talk TDIs. I mean, if we're talking that, are there Q7s out there with a diesel motor and you could <laughs> rock a really high-end luxury vehicle. Get a Touareg like, TDI. Yep, there you go. That's funny. That's how very low good. these fallen? But we also, by the way, the uh, except for that first-gen Chevy Volt, everything on here is a Volkswagen product. His other idea is an Audi A4 Sportback. He said he would prefer the TDI, the BMW, but prefers the Quattro of Audi. So he's very curious about that. And then he would like surprises. And he says his background is American cars, but here he is... Uh, only wanting an Audi or Volkswagen product. So here we are out here uh, making recommendations for Dean. Well, for $10,000, I don't know that you should buy a wrecked car because you Mm. need it fairly soon, I suppose. I mean, what is that Prius worth? Oh, I don't think that that's any. Do you have to pay somebody to take it away? No, I mean, he'll probably get a few grand for it at most. I think two, three grand. I mean, with 400,000 miles on it, two or three grand, probably. I do think you need to make every effort to get rid of it, Dean, because it's been in your life long enough. You don't need to keep it around because it still runs. Don't introduce that thinking into your life. Well, it's run, you know, runs and it's not worth that much and it's paid off and we might as well. Don't do that. Get rid of it. (laughs) Sell it. I see it. Yeah, yeah. And then I've dove into some recommendations. There's one that I'm not sure is that $10,000 mark, but I'm wondering about the perception. Okay. You're right, Dean, this mix of really high miles to the gallon and a very low price, they don't really, there's not an equal sign between Mm -hmm. those because to go way back, I'm thinking that original tiny Honda Insight, I got great mileage. You got great mileage. That's a tiny little Insight or like a Honda Fit or Mm -hmm. something like that or like a Prius. Those were the cars that are old enough now that fall under the $10,000 mark that got that kind of mileage, but that's not the perception you want to go for. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So perception for your job is high in my mind. Buying something, maybe it's 10 grand, maybe it's 12, Mm -hmm. but you get the perception and you get something that is lower mileage. I mean, anything less than 400,000 is lower. (laughs) It's all lower. It's it's all going to drive better than a a 400,000-mile Prius, and it's all going to have lower miles than a 400,000-mile Prius, for sure. So right now, Dean, I have not looked at the prices of the Lexus ES300 yet, but I was looking at the third generation. You remember the 1996 to 2001 generation that pretty much everyone had? Uh-huh. It's a Lexus. You roll up in a Lexus, it almost doesn't matter the year. Mm. It kind of got me thinking about our cheap sedan challenge. Sure. Big yeah. sedan challenge. Yeah, yeah. Because we thought, oh, let's, you know, I should get a Lexus LS400 or something. And then we stopped ourselves and went, wait a minute, that's just going to run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no point. There's no There's no story. Unless there. you're doing Matt Farah's Can I Get to a Million. It's right. It's just the guess what? That one ran again. Right. Yeah. It doesn't have the mileage you're looking for. It mm-hmm. certainly has the look and the perception sure, yeah. you are. But that's not really the right thing. So I backed off and went for the ES300 because, again, you roll up in an ES300, 
fine. Mm -hmm. And the fourth generation and progression on, they just got too Camry-like for my taste. They got too Camry-looking. This still looks like a Lexus to, to my eye. It still looked kind of like what their ethos was and their their own, you know, doing their own thing. The second generation actually didn't. It was just the uh, rebodied Camry. But this third generation was kind of interesting to me. Had a friend who had one and they just ran fine. They were great. Three liter V6, 200 horsepower, they, they were great. But I don't know that they're quite $10,000. I mean, maybe mm -hmm. you could find one. So I moved on to Acura. And I okay. started toying with TLXs and TSXs. Okay, yeah. The TLX, again, you might have to add a little bit to your to your budget. But then I think, oh man, Dean, if you're rebuilding a wrecked car, you will blow out your budget because you'll think, well, now's the time to do blank because the car's sure, apart. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't take it back apart to do the upgrade mm -hmm. or fix the part. Mm -hmm. or, you know what? This is the original master cylinder or the original yeah, yeah. you know, something. I, I should replace it. And I'll spend the time and money to do that. And your time, Dean, is worth dollars. Totally. So that's part of the equation too. I can't see you buying something wrecked because there's just so many unknowns and you just don't know how much money will be you'll be forced to put into it. Yeah. So what if you assumed you would be anyway and like stretched your budget to eleven thousand or twelve mm. to get into something like a TLX within that that time frame? You roll up in an Acura. It's Japanese. It's a it's a Honda product. It's going to run great. It's going to be very comfortable to drive. No, the mileage isn't going to be 35 miles plus to the gallon. But on the other hand, you're rocking an Acura, but it's not like, ooh, we're paying Dean too much. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's, did you see his Mercedes? Doesn't matter what year. He's got a Mercedes. <laughs> right. Fair point. Fair point, yeah. Guys, it's a 1976 <laughs> diesel, 280 diesel. I'm lucky like, it runs. It runs on fry oil. <laughs> yeah. Come on, leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> no, you. Dean's got a Mercedes. Then I thought, okay, it is time for the 2011 TSX Sport Wagon. Okay. It's time because I think the TSXs that I found on Auto Tempest, I was finding 08s, 09s. Those hmm. are with 118,000 miles. Those are all right around 10,000. Found an 09 uh, with 115,000 miles for eight grand. Uh, yeah, the, the miles vary and they're not, they, they're, they don't correspond to uh, the, the value, the price of the car. Some are lower miles and the price is low too. So mm. you'll just have to shop on there. But yeah, look at the TSXs, a little bit smaller, but I think that's what you want for a commute anyway. And it's just, it's just enough. It's just, it's Acura. It's not Honda, it's Acura. You know what I mean? It's not Toyota, yeah. it's yeah, Lexus. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But we've gone old enough and cheap enough that it's still within your budget there. And if you could find a sport wagon somewhere, somebody getting it's rid of the sport find. wagon, yeah. that's the unique thing that you should look for. That's good stuff. I really like it. That's actually given me an idea is that original, can you find one? The original Lexus IS300 Sport Cross, which is the Oh, wagon. that's good too. You can never find those, but when mm -hmm. they're out there, they're actually surprisingly good. They're not going to have 30, 35 miles per gallon, but they're very, very cool. No. That, that's a really interesting car as well. But Dean, I'm going to challenge you a little bit because I looked at your description and I looked at your list and there's one thing I have a real question about. If you need to, because the pickup's not going anywhere. If you need to, you drive the pickup. If what your day requires, that could be perception, that could be practicality, it could be hauling something. If you need to, you drive the truck. That's not changing in this new scenario. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's still The truck still stays. It still exists. You also aren't tr transporting kids. It's you on the commute. That's true. Okay? It's true. So practicality is irrelevant. And I know that that's true because you're considering an Audi TT. <laughs> Okay, so That's it doesn't need to be practical. Dean, there's no point. This is your car mm. that can be impractical. And the nice thing about small impractical cars is that they get good gas mileage. So here's what I want to challenge you with. I want to challenge you to throw out all of this stuff you're considering that is kind of a mid-sized, it, it's essentially the Prius thinking. It's a mid-sized sedan or wagon that is front wheel drive. It's all gone. Throwing it all out. The closest I'm getting, actually, which is a consideration for you, is the Fiat 500 Abart. Oh, really? Because that gets about 30 to 33 miles to the gallon. I'm just under what you want to require. But also, I'm sorry, but if you can get a Fiat 500 and get over 30 miles to the gallon, it's worth that. Don't, don't find yourself tied to the fact that... Mm -hmm. Because the only thing the Prius really did, let's be honest, it kept running and it got good gas mileage. If you can get everything else but that... 
and get good gas mileage, but not great. So you're in the 30s and it's fun and it's interesting. Why not? So Fiat 500 Abarth is my closest one to the stuff you kind of already have. I do think your TT idea is actually very interesting. I think you would enjoy that car. But again, it tells me that you can go impractical here. It doesn't need to haul anything but you on the commute. Have mm. some fun. Mm-hmm. Get something mm-hmm. totally different that isn't like it needs to do other stuff. Just enjoy yourself with this car. So TT is cool. Fiat 500 Abarth I like. And then I have to bring them up, Dean, and you're going to think, why on earth are you recommending it? But I come back to you don't need it to do anything else. Miata or Toyota MR2 Spider. You can get both That's for tiny, ten grand, tiny. and both of them will get mid-30s miles per gallon. And now you have, for the first time in your life, Dean, you have a genuine fun car. Go back to that teenager that was annoyed by the fact that dad didn't get anything fun. Mm-hmm. You are an adult. You have adult mm-hmm. responsibilities. You have a pickup when you need to haul stuff. You have a minivan when you've got to haul everything else. You've got the adult practicality thing covered. Your requirements that really matter here, Dean, when I read your email are $10,000 and decent gas mileage. Let's go fun. Miata or MR2 Spider, my friend. Get a manual. Get yourself a fun car. And I also challenge this. If you had that car, do you think your wife might like it more than she expects? If you get a Volt or a Volkswagen TDI sport wagon or whatever, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. You're not going to have a problem with it. It's going to be more fun than your Prius, but that's a low (laughs) bar. Are we sure he's not going to I'm saying from a... Daily driving, is this fun enough? Yeah. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Reliability, who knows? Yeah. But your wife's not going to be like, ooh, that's interesting. But a Miata yeah. or an MR2 Spider or even a 500 Abart. What about you take one of your kids out in it or you take your wife out in it? What, what about finding one of those and it is surprisingly fun? I think about our friend who bought the M, uh, pardon me, the Z3 for us for the cheap sports oh, car yeah, challenge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he bought it on a Lark. And it's become his favorite car. That's his kind of his only car now. I mean, he's got others, but that's all he drives. Because it's just fun he and easy and it. great. <laughs> he told me like, well, if the engine blows, they're like 1200 bucks. I'll just throw a new engine in it. So, And, and you like, could go yes. that route. But I think that the, the Miata and the MR2 Spider are both going to just run. You can get them for your budget. You would thoroughly enjoy them. And my question for you, Dean, is not, well, here's all the reasons not that I shouldn't do it. Really think about it. Can't that work? And why not have fun? I like this because I hesitate to recommend older and older cars unless you know what you're getting into, you really like it, you really want one. The only exception is sports cars Mm -hmm. because of the community around them, the parts and availability and the tribal knowledge out there to work on these cars. Whereas something, all these other things that, especially the German one, I mean, older TTs and older a4s and that kind of thing like mm-hmm. yeah i mean you are going to be working on them whether or not you bought one wrecked true and now true, you're true. spending yeah. well more than 10 grand yeah so if we're gonna put that kind of money into it to something let's let it be a sports car let's let it be Agreed. something fun to drive i was trying to figure out how to get you out of that silverado but yeah, I think it, it's more perception. I hear more perception yeah. than use. I don't hear use, and it's only him. Yeah, but it is a thing where, okay, you have to go to construction sites, and there is a perception there. But also, I hear when you go to construction sites, you may need construction site things to toss in the bed. And the truck and the town and country, as you've said it, they do their, they're perfect for their respective duties. What you don't have, Dean, is fun yeah. commuter. Nobody's doing that duty. Get something that gets mid-30 miles to the gallon and is fun. Here's a last scenario that we can poke holes in. It's not perfect. This is very far from perfect, and it involves more money. (laughs) But it does involve selling your Silverado and switching to Ford because Chevy doesn't have anything like the Maverick, especially with the 2.5 hybrid. Yeah, Because if you're just commuting to work, that's the, the car that, only your workmates should see. They don't know about mm. the fun, cheap MR2 in your garage at home because mm. you don't drive it to work. You drive so it on Sundays. So you're MR2 or Miata and he buys a Maverick with Silverado money. Yes. Which gets the truck thing done, but a lot more ga- better gas. Right. Mileage. I see that. That's it's, interesting. It's I see truck, where you're going. Yeah. We don't know what the construction sure. realities are, yeah, yeah. but you can beat that thing up. Yeah. 
but it gets great gas mileage because it's a hybrid. It's front wheel drive only, but who cares? But it's a, a ute. Mm-hmm. The kids can get in it. You can you can bash on this thing. That's mm-hmm. what it's for. But it's small and lightweight enough to be a commuter. Yeah. It's a commuter yeah, truck. Yeah. And then the thing you have at home is this sports car. And because that Silverado is not getting good gas mileage. No. I mean, it's not getting better gas mileage from here on out. No. It's only getting older. And it will stick around forever. But how about the truck be the commute device that only your workmates see? Interesting. All right. Chevy doesn't offer something like the Maverick. Okay. I see it. But I I don't know how much more. I don't know what year the Silverado is. I don't sure. know how much money yeah, you can get for tell. it. Yeah. I, if we could combine the 10 that you've got to spend plus any money out of the Silverado, <laughs> part of that is carved off for the fun car. The rest goes to a down payment on the Maverick. Yeah. I see where you're going. Juggling funds here. We're, but, have, we're having a juggle time for sure. Yeah, it's good. Whatever car you're looking for, and wherever it's listed, you'll find it with Autotempest.com. Autotempest.com brings together results from all the top used car listing sites online to save you time and help you find the perfect car. It even lets you compare with nationwide results from Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist, not just your local area. Plus, you can now get email alerts for your search, so you're sure to never miss a thing. You can even price and find new cars from nearby dealers. That's why Auto Tempest is now the official sponsor of all of our test drive videos. We use it to search for new cars or used cars wherever they are. When you're doing your drive homework, you're chasing the next family car, or just browsing so you can see what's available, go to autotempest.com slash everyday so they know we sent you. Auto Tempest. All the cars. One search. Before we move on to the second debate, I'm just remembering this, Paul. I haven't shown this to you yet. i got to find this photo while we're talking about it. At our last Cars and Coffee, there was a Maverick that was tuned and changed. Oh, they really? They lowered it. They gave it fender flares, and they gave it the license plate Mavthick. Oh, I'm showing you the photo. We will have to post gosh. this. The photo is Mavthick. Because of course. <laughs> it's like, I have to take a photo. Right. I'm not sure I like that, but it's happened. <laughs> but the Maverick's out enough that people are tuning it. But anyway, we're moving on to other car debates. George is writing in from Kansas City, and he's uh, looking at his foreign car parking lot and deciding, hmm, I need something that is built in the U.S. George, thanks for writing to us. He's a longtime listener to the podcast. He loves listening to it on road trips or commutes. He's looking for this new or used car. He's always loved sports cars and muscle cars and the glorious sounds of a V8. He loves highway on-ramps and back roads and working on his car and cars and coffee events. Love it. But it's unlikely he will be doing full track days. Okay, all right. George is 22. He recently graduated from a university, so he's at a time in his life where he doesn't really need anything bigger than a coupe, and a fuel economy is measured in smiles per gallon. Love it. Great. Here's the catch. He recently started the first job of his career at GM in Kansas City. Okay, I He's see working for going. General Motors now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is. The only vehicles that can park within one mile of the front door are domestics. <laughs> I also think it's interesting. Not, they Not don't have to be GM, GM products. But they have to be American brands. So the car suggestions we give George either need to be American brands or they're so good that they are worth hoofing it from the foreign car parking lot. So there's actually a foreign car parking lot more than a mile away. So that is the parking lot of shame, but you can drive anything you want out there. (laughs) That's interesting. Okay, all right. His first car was a 99 Honda Civic he had for a year when he was 16 before getting into an 05 Chrysler Crossfire SRT6. He's had since, I mean, technically that'll work. But he's ridden in test-driven Challengers and Mustangs and Camaros and Vets and even an ATSV, and he's always enjoyed V8 versions of any car. Like it, good. He is happier with a snappy automatic versus a manual, but would prefer a manual over an automatic. He... He, it seems like he could go either way depending mm-hmm. on the car here. It sounds like if it's like paddle shifter, really good automatic, great. I'll take that over a manual. But he'd rather a manual over any of the bad automatics out there. Mm. So uh, we, it's a fine line there, but I see where you're going. George is leaning towards a Camaro or a Challenger or maybe a C6 generation Corvette. What do we think is the best American car for under $35,000? Mm. Well, George, two choices that popped into my mind immediately. They're interim cars. They're not the final car because as a new employee of GM, you get employee pricing. Yeah, you, you do. You get A plan pricing, mm, my right, friend. You're right. So that means you might want something else that comes along sooner rather than later mm-hmm. and you might want to sell whatever it is you have mm. and get your employee discount to get into something that 
you didn't realize you could afford. And it is a GM product. Mm. And then you're rocking General Motors and you work for them and you're parking in the right lot and everything's <laughs> glorious. Okay. But what about a Pontiac G8 or a GTO? Oh, yeah. The GTOs are cool. Yeah, they are cool. They're 15 grand, I think, still with a manual and like eight grand with an automatic. Yeah, they're, they're, they're half your budget. You're absolutely right. Yeah. But that means you're not spending 35. Mm-hmm. You're still in a V8 car. Mm-hmm, that's good. You've got a cool GTO and you can park in the correct lot. Yeah. And okay. it's interim right. as you start to meet people at your job. Mm. Guess what the first question is they're going to ask you. They're not going to ask you where you're from. I don't care. <laughs> what are you driving, George? What do you drive? Yeah, for sure. And you'll be able to say, you know what? I got a GTO. Oh, what year? That's and then cool. you're off to the races. Or oh, you've got a Pontiac really G8. I like it. Both oh, of those are good. yeah. Yep. Let me tell you. Let me introduce you to the engineer, who, the guy who worked on yeah, those. And yeah, you'll be yeah. like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not yeah, saying yeah. that'll happen, but there's going to be stories like that. that for you, sure, yeah. You just won't see coming. Because if you say, I drive a Civic Type R after they finish wiping tears of laughter from their eyes, mm. they might not be your friend anymore. I'm not saying it's that bad, but there I mean, are the, enthusiasts. The car's worth it, but that may, we'll see who you meet at your for job. Sure. Yeah, for no, sure. There's enthusiasts of all types at yeah, all car yeah, companies, yeah. but there is a level at the American car companies that you're asking how to navigate that. Yeah, yeah. But what if you got a used GTO for half or a third your budget mm. and you're rocking a GTO, you've got a V8 muscle car, and then when something comes along, you think, oh, I'd really like to exercise my GM employee mm-hmm, pricing. Mm-hmm. I can do that, either keep the GTO and get something new or whatever that is, or you know what? I'm done with it. I've had it one year yeah, and yeah, yeah. I had a good time with it. You sell it to a friend that you've made at the company who wants one mm-hmm, or can't mm-hmm. find one. Sure. Yeah. And then you get your new car. That's my scenario. That's for you. really good. I think I think the key thing, George, is that the fact that you're 22 and you've just started this job. You've got a lot of cars in front of you. And I have a scenario yes. similar to where Paul is. I'm going to come back around to that. First, I want to talk through some of the options you've already presented. I want to give you pros and cons real quick. If you're wanting a V8 muscle car, just this needs to have that big bruiser muscle car feel. Challenger. Challenger and V8. That's <laughs> just it. Yeah. Because yeah. It, it does that better than the Camaro. It does that better than the Mustang. It's just that is... The Americana just boiled down attitude right mm-hmm. there. And you have to get it in a V8. It doesn't matter what year, really. That car just oozes that classic muscle car feel. It's one of the reasons it's remained such a good seller for decades now. I mean, it keeps outselling the Camaro and Mustang, in some cases, combined because it is alone in that regard. So if you want that angry muscle car feel, that's the place to go. But if you're wanting an American, like modern sporting car, that's the Camaro. The Camaro has a much better chassis than you than most people think. You said you've actually driven these cars, so I'm glad. That is the one to get if you'd really like to have something that is somewhat affordable and has a really great chassis on it. The problem there, of course, is you have to deal with difficult to access space, the trunk opening is bizarre, and the visibility is bad. But the handling's great. Yeah, yeah. Now, you're in Kansas City. How much is the handling going to matter to you? I don't know. If you're going to go, though, if you really want to say, I like V8 American muscle cars, I like V8 America, like Americana, how much Corvette can you buy? I mean, yeah. really, that is where we're talking. True. You said C6, True. and C6 would be very good, and you could absolutely get a C6 for your money. My question is, can you get to the bottom of a C7? Because I think you'd like it better. Ooh, like the right at the bottom of the C7 market for 35 grand. Still getting a nice you V8. Might. You would really like that car. Lots of V8. That is, and here's the thing. It's lighter than the Camaro and the visibility is better. Mm-hmm. And it has more cachet than the Camaro. But you're 22. So mm-hmm. you don't have to mm-hmm. throw down right now. I'm going to give you two things that I want you to seriously consider. First off is some drive homework. Because you're wanting to buy American only. And I understand why and I get it. And these options you brought up are excellent. You need to go somehow find a way to drive a GR86. I'm not suggesting you buy this car, but it is your whole budget. Get a new GR86. The reason to drive one is because it's nothing you've asked for, and I want to stretch you. Get a car cover that has a Camaro painted on it. You, exactly. It's just like a big Chevy bow tie as a car cover. Yeah, exactly. But but here's the thing. Not a V8. In fact, not that interesting an engine, but it's enough engine. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Lightweight, really good, not American, still rear-wheel drive, light, chuckable, all of these things. I want you to test drive one of those. 
not because I'm saying buy it now, but because I really want you to broaden your mind as you're starting out in your new career sure. and thinking about other options and thinking about, is there a kind of car feeling I might want down the line that is worth parking in the foreign lot? And it might not be right now. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if you if you just drive the American iron and you keep buying the American iron, you, you can miss a lot of other stuff. I mean, I was raised in this. You miss a lot of other stuff that's out there. And so I want you to drive that to kind of give you a frame of reference for the future. But the car I think you buy falls into the same category where Paul was, and that is it's still American. You can still drive it with pride, put it in the, in the lot. You can spend a fraction of your budget, okay. get a lot of the fun I'm talking about, and then it's when can I jump to something else, something new or more interesting, whatever. Saturn Sky or Pontiac Solstice. Well, there you go. Why not? There you go. The nicest one out there is 15 grand. Here we May, go. I like Maybe this. 20 it's not a V8. We're back to drive the GR86 for some drive homework, but it's significant. Here's the thing though. If you get the turbos, they were 250 horsepower and torque in a car that weighed about 3,000 pounds. It's not a mm. V8. It's not the, the rumble. The rumble's gone, but the car's a lot smaller, and those had genuine power when they were turbos. The turbo versions are the way to go. So Saturn Sky, Pontiac Solstice, they're out there and uh, you have you have to look at those. I really think you buy one of those for fifteen to twenty, park it with pride in the GM lot. <laughs> How many of them are even in the GM lot in in Kansas City? Any? But That's then you have a convertible. It's got good dynamics. You can enjoy that car. Please get it in manual. It's not worth it in the auto. Please get it in manual, and then you have the opportunity to jump when life uh, provides the option. GXP. That's the one you should be looking yep. for. There yeah. It is, yeah. George, this is interesting. Plus, you could be our mole inside GM to tell them to, you know, what is the next Have you guys generation? driven my Solstice? Have you driven the Solstice? <laughs> exactly. Can I show you the Solstice? <laughs> this will be like the once they carve Corvette off into its own brand, which needs to happen ASAP. Yeah, but they're going to make an SUV, not a sports car. But anyway, yeah. But then the Solstice can be right in there. Yes, like, for sure. Hey, you guys have uh-huh. built this already. We could bring this back, and here's our starting point for the second generation, and that'll be the Corvette light, more affordable. Yeah, this is this is the plan here. If you've got debates like George... Like Dean, write to us, TV at gmail.com for all your Topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, and your car debates. Some good questions as always. Thank you guys. But I have to jump right here because it made me laugh. On Instagram, Lord Vader said, uh, obviously not for the C8, which you posted pictures of today, but he thinks that we need a shirt with a picture of the Cayman and Paul's quote that reads, that's my jam. That is my jam. Yeah. <laughs> that would be, that could be a really, really good quote. I, I, I like that shirt. That one should probably happen. I love it. Geese1RBM on Instagram said, Ford CEO recently said they're no longer going to make all cars for all people. Mm. Interesting. Do we think this will have any effect on the enthusiast market? And if so, what? Well, it took me almost until like a month ago to realize that Jim Farley is the cousin to Chris Farley, the actor. I had no idea. Oh, interesting. Okay. So yeah, there's you. You can see it in his face, mm. and uh, yeah, so he has that uh, that family line there. But uh, Jim is a racer. I'm intrigued that he mm. said that out loud because, as an enthusiast, in as head of the company, yeah, yeah, we saw what that did for Toyota. Akio Toyota, very good point. Was now yeah. retired. He made the GR line of products and decided that racing as a derivative would inspire cars for Toyota. And look where Toyota is at with all their sports cars yeah, right. and high performance offerings. So I can't imagine, I'm reading into it, this is prognosticating here, but mm-hmm. I cannot imagine that somebody like Jim, who is a true racer, I mean, to the point where I think the board of directors is like, could you stop doing that, please? Because <laughs> your insurance premium went up again. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh-huh. seriously. I mean, he races with Billy Johnson, our friend Billy, mm-hmm. and he he is fast. So he's out there putting his money where his mouth is as yeah, far as yeah, yeah. being an enthusiast and being on track and making cars that are fun and fast to drive. Sports cars. So does that that that's a piece of the business. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that that can completely go away, especially coming from a CEO who does that. Interesting. That's good. I'm reading into that. That's good. Maybe from a business standpoint, it just no longer makes any sense. But you know what? 
enthusiasts like to have the sports car from that company and then they put the SUV or the people hauler from mm-hmm. that same company in their garage too. Or because they aspire to that sports car from that company, you know what? Having that SUV just gives me a little piece of that sports car I can't have. Mm-hmm. They are associated. There True. is that yeah, link yeah. in that, people's they minds. They count on it, yeah. So I don't think they should kill anything that is completely kill, any enthusiasm, any fun sports mm. cars. I mean, let's let the Mustang just continue on. Let's see what it turns into. Maybe it gets great as a hybrid or a full EV. I mean, not the Mach-E, but the actual Mustang. Maybe <laughs> I know what you mean, yeah. becomes a great, suddenly they, they've figured it out, but we had gestation periods mm-hmm. to get there, but it didn't quite go away. Also, companies can bring back hallowed nameplates. So there's that. True. You yeah, can yeah. always come back. But I, I, Geese, I have a tough time thinking that, uh, that Jim would say, that's it. No more fun cars. Because also, what is he going to campaign? <laughs> I got rid of everything. Whoops. Yeah. I can't drive anything for my own company. I'll buy this other company's thing to yeah. race and drive for fun. Yikes. That is a bit concerning. That's a PR disaster. Raul Cruz says on Facebook, how many times did we hit our head on the roof of the C8? You know what? I've, I've kind of solved it. I've had this problem in the car. Now, I do wish the car, I've, I've got a long torso, a longer torso than you. Yeah. And so yeah. I struggle with headroom more than you do. And I do wish that the C8 had a little more headroom and I could get lower in the car. I do wish that. However, we have the base seats and they seem to be better for headroom ultimately than the next two levels of seats. We've driven the base seat before. Then we've also driven the mid-grade seat and that and the upper grade seat are actually the same frame with different things going on. And those seats I couldn't, keep my head from hitting one of the support posts that actually bolts the uh, the target top on. Mm-hmm. On these base seats, these GT1 seats, I've been able to find a body position that if I, okay, if I like throw my head back, I can find it, but most of the time I don't hit, which is good. Now it's close, it's tight, but I'm not hitting my head anymore, so bonus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not hitting my head too much, but uh, I'm, I'm sure that time is coming. <laughs> Can't well, wait. When we put a helmet on, we'll be too tight. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Brian B. on Facebook has always wanted to build a Factory 5 Cobra. I saw this, yeah. Brian is considering selling his 1966 Dodge Charger to help fund this project and clear out garage space for the build. Who would like to buy a 66 Charger? But this Charger has family history. What are our thoughts, and have we driven the Factory 5? If so, what do we think of the car? Yes, I have driven a Factory 5. It's been a long time. It's been about 20 years. Well, we also drove the Daytona Coupe. We drove the, true, we did drive the Daytona Coupe. I will say that the uh, Cobra has improved dramatically and I could feel that in the, in the Type 65, the Cobra Coupe. Yeah, yeah. The, everything about it has improved dramatically. I mean, you will also spend more money and time that you thought was possible building it because, well, this is my only build. Mm -hmm. But Brian, I want to put it out there that even though that Charger has family history, you could have a family event at auction. When sure. you auction yeah, yeah. it off. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And sure, it could be, mm, mm. you know, whole family fun. You know, you go to the auction and you see it go to a new owner and mm. all that family history goes with the car and you meet the new owners, whatever that is. You don't have to just sell it outright. Auctioning is part True. of the fun. Yeah, you could do that. I also, whenever we talk about cars with family history, this always comes up because it's hard to let it go. And I get it. 1966 Dodge Charger. It's a very cool car. I, I don't know what all the family history is there, but clearly it's been around for a while. But Brian, my big thing about family history cars are this, is this. Are you going to drive it? Yeah. Because if you're not going to drive it or if you're fra- afraid to drive it because every time I drive it, this breaks or I'm very cautious of it because if I drive it, then this might happen or, oh my gosh, a bird pooped on it or whatever. The only reason to keep a car with history is because you're driving it. Agreed. If you're not driving it, it, it has history that is now bringing you down. It's holding you back. Yeah. So I don't yeah. know what the family history here is, but I really want to, that's my big challenge to you is to figure out if you're really going to drive that car. And if you're not, then it is time to move on. Also, back to the Daytona Coupe, which I actually love it in the Daytona Coupe form. And the one we drove was specced and and set up perfectly. It was, it was so, so good. It good. was really, really good to drive. <laughs> yeah. much, and I will be honest, much better than I expected. So that is my closest comparison to the Factory 5 uh, actual Cobra. I suspect, now here's the thing, there's so many little setup nuances you can do. Mm-hmm. And ours was built and set up by the folks at Factory 5, which meant it was done exactly right. Yes. yes. So I'm going to suggest this to you also, Brian. Do you want to build it from scratch? 
or do you buy want to buy somebody else's or do you want buy somebody else's project they started and stopped or whatever there's a lot of variations here and then who is your chassis person Brian mm-hmm. cuz when you're done you're going to want somebody that really knows what you're they're doing to help you dial in your chassis because if it's right and this one that we drove was it's Awesome. It was spectacular. Yeah. But it's easy to get wrong. This is not most people's expertise. And it's not like just follow the directions. It'll drive fine. You need somebody helping you. Okay. With the chassis. So think about that. The other thing I want to really note, because we noted in the Daytona, seriously, man, this car's loud. Okay. We had the (laughs) the quietest mufflers they sell and we had to wear earplugs and shout at the camera. Okay. It's so uncomfortably loud. It, it struck me as loud enough that you wouldn't. Your your wife's not going to want to go with you anywhere. Yeah. Okay. Uh. Because you're not going to be able to talk at all. Now, maybe you want something with a big loud exhaust. Maybe the Dodge Charger has a big loud exhaust. I don't know, but I don't want you to get down the road and be like, "Oh my gosh, that's loud." I want you to know right up front, quite loud. I mean, it's painfully loud. I found it to be painful. We, we, you didn't want to drive it very hard. Now, here's the thing. Once we put earplugs in and we drove it hard, the car was awesome. Yeah. I mean, and it was still loud. <laughs> it was still loud. You just feel it through your chest. You feel oh, it yeah. through your it whole body awesome. because you're belted in. Yeah. I mean, it's the seats are like a thin shell bolted right to the chassis. But yeah, they, they are very, very loud. The Cobra that I drove was, uh, it was like I said, 20 years ago. It was that uh, the Fox body Mustang engine, and mm. you can register it as a 66. Sure, so that's why they sure. can straight pipe them, no emissions, but it's uh-huh. a, you know an 89-50 engine. <laughs> it's like, okay. But it there have been a lot of changes, I feel like, at Factory 5 for the better. Mm-hmm. And then Todd's point is absolutely spot on because the one that I was in felt pretty squishy. It didn't mm, feel like mm. dialed for what Cobras were meant to do. Mm. It just felt like, okay, chassis, and I shoved a Fox Body Mustang sure. parts cool. on it, and you know it's fast and it's loud. What do you use it for mm-hmm. other than taking it to Cars and Coffee? I want you to use your Cobra I for agree. stuff. I want you to have it dialed so you will take it out and drive it, Love it. and it won't be painful either riding in it or the exhaust noise Love it. so you can't do more than you know ah, after 10 minutes i'm done mm-hmm. what That's what no happened fun. what did That's we do no here yeah. avi's writing in and saying would we prefer a plug-in hybrid or a standard hybrid if everything else was the same meaning that the driving dynamics or everything else about the way that it drives and operates is the same it's just you have a plug-in hybrid option or a hybrid option and honestly avi i would say if you're using this as a daily commuter why not get the plug-in hybrid because you may be in a situation where, I mean, it came up earlier in the car debates, where a lot of what you do is just done on electric, but then you have the flexibility of the gas engine when you need it. That is really wonderful. We're enjoying that right now with our Cayenne. I really think the plug-in hybrid can be great. I mean, we, we've driven both versions of the new Prius. The Prime is the plug-in hybrid version with like 40 miles worth of electric range. The standard hybrid version still really good. I think that that is the best analog of comparing the two. If you can get by with the plug-in hybrid, why not? But you may live in a high-rise or an apartment or something where you can't plug it in, so then that decides it for you. Anthony Z says, is it inappropriate to launch your 86 sideways when leaving a kid's birthday party? (laughs) Asking for a friend. Of course you are. Of course you are, Anthony. (laughs) No, never inappropriate because I'm sure all the kids were like, yeah more of that. Anthony, I think this is awesome. I love this question too. Here is my only caveat. It is fully appropriate if you know 100% you're going to pull it off. Yes, you're right. If there is any part of you that thinks you might Mustang your way out of the party... Do not try this. Because okay? then could be like, sweet. Oh. Because then, because then when you fold a wheel over a curb, you are now that dad. And all the parents know and all the kids know. That's true. So if you're 100% sure that location-wise and your, your actual capability, you can make that look cool, I say go, but be cautious. Guys, thank you for all your questions. We really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, write to us. Email, you know where to email us. We're looking forward to next time. As always, cheers, everyone.